0: his holy word today. We're in a sermon series called Living in the Last Days based upon uh, the book of 2nd Timothy in the New Testament. We're going to be in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 this morning. This is the second of two letters that Paul wrote to his protege, uh, somebody who he had mentored and brought up in the faith and uh, called into ministry and and sent into ministry and, and uh, This is the second of the two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. And it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's in the New Testament. So this is God's word to us today. This is a hard passage. Second of two weeks that I'm preaching on this passage. This is a hard passage to read. It's a hard passage to preach from. It may be a hard passage to hear. um, But preach through the Bible. Preach through a book of the Bible at a time. and, And cover every verse. Because all of it is what God has for us. So, we're going to we're going to do this today. Let's read together 2 Timothy chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Well, bless my heart. Let's all go home now, right? (laughs) That's just a tough, straight-up, in-your-face kind of passage. Man. So... It says, living in the last days. The last days began at Pentecost when God poured the Holy Spirit out upon the church and the church made up of followers of Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit and thus came into existence, was formed by God. I'm going to be repeating some things um, as an introduction that I said last week. So if you were here last week, you get to hear it again. Praise God. But many also believe that where it says terrible times it's not talking about that entire span from, from the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church to Christ's second coming that terrible times is mentioned as uh, times of where horrible things will intensify prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ so in that sense the last days also refers specifically to the time close to when Jesus is coming back um, Of that period of time, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 through 14, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So there's a sign of something that will happen. Today, in 2020, there are... Isolated places in the world uh, where they've never once heard about Jesus Christ or heard the good news that Jesus, the Son of God, saves. That's hard to fathom living in modern-day America. And during my lifetime, um, the the size of the areas and the number of people that haven't yet heard the gospel has drastically shrunk because Christians are committed to going places and sharing the good news where it's never been shared before. But there's still some isolated pockets. And so there's still some, some service to be done, some work to be done, until Jesus comes back. Some believe we're in the last days, just prior to the Lord's second return today, like it's really close. Um, Paul's description of man's spiritual decay that we just read uh, could be taken to confirm that belief. I mean, you can look at it at each description that he gave and see it around you in the world today Uh, but it seems obvious to me that when Paul first wrote this in a letter to Timothy that Paul thought the second coming of Jesus Christ could be imminent soon coming in his day so uh, the fallen nature of humankind hasn't changed and we're prone to think that, oh, it's never been like this before. But you know what? The Apostle Paul, who wrote more of the New Testament inspired by the Holy Spirit than any other person, um, he, he thought it was imminent in his day. So, um, I try not to hang on too tightly to that. I have my opinion about the soon coming of Jesus Christ. But, but I try not to hang my faith on that because I don't need to be right in the timing of Jesus coming back. Um, to be right with God, and Jesus specifically said that no one knows the day or the hour. So, um, so again, for the umpteenth plus one time, last week was the umpteenth time. So I'm going to say it again. This is umpteenth plus one time. Hear me say, no one knows the timing of Christ's return. Jesus told us that. So um, if we believe in the word of Jesus, then we believe that nobody knows. The timing, right? Um, Having said that, we don't know the timing. Um, I think it's important that we become fully aware of the signs that precede his return so that we can be prepared every day for the Lord's return. Prepared because each day, each one of us needs to choose to live by faith in Jesus Christ in obedience to the Holy Bible, God's Word. Um, remember what I shared last week. There's this fascinating verse in First Chronicles chapter 12 about the men of Issachar. And Issachar was one of the tribes of men that aided David in overthrowing Saul when David became king of Israel. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. From Issachar, in this list of men who served under David. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So... These men are described as understanding the times they lived in and knowing what they should do. Oh, that that could be said of us. Oh, that that will be said of us, that these folks understood the times and what they should do. We're in a series, as I said, called Living in the Last Days. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is the pivotal passage uh, to the the letter of 2 Timothy and to this sermon series. So please listen carefully to the Paul's words that I read this morning. What we need in the last days is the ability to understand the times so that we can live eternally in heaven and so that we can be effective in leading others to saving faith in Jesus Christ. First, Paul suggests that world conditions will get worse. As I've read from the New International Version, there will be terrible times in the last days. The message Another version of the Bible says, "Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead." And the Living Bible says, "In the last days, it is going to be very difficult to be a Christian." So, let us be forewarned. We took a vote last week, and we agreed—or a couple weeks ago—and we agreed that things have gotten worse in 2020. Right? Any, anybody not think that that things have gotten worse in 2020? Oh my, Clifford. The advent of COVID-19 has forever changed our lives. And for the last several weeks, the nation has burned in a violent response to the death in police custody of George Floyd. And let me briefly summarize again for you. This is what I have to say. For the manner in which George Floyd died, there is no excuse. For the arson, looting, violent attacks, and murders that have occurred, supposedly as a response to what happened to George Floyd, there is no excuse. Mama taught me that two wrongs don't make a right, and I believe that. There is no excuse for any of this. Now, going beyond that on a worldwide basis, violence against Christians is systemic in some parts of the world. Just a couple examples that I gave last week. Nigeria, where Christians are targeted for murder, rape, torture, and slavery by Islamic terrorists. In communist China today, Christians are routinely arrested and imprisoned, subject to extreme torture, organ harvesting, without anesthetic, while they're alive, murder, or work to death in slave labor camps. That goes on today and every day in communist China. In 80 years... We have gone from a $5,000 fine for one four-letter word in a movie to a movie seven years ago that contained 140 F-bombs. We tolerate today what would have appalled our grandparents. Evil is increasing, just as Paul predicted. The world will not get better in general on its own, and seeing the world through rose-colored glasses will not get us through these dark times. So let's get real. Paul lists 19 indicators of the last days here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can relax, we're not covering all 19 today either. Um, There are five trends that kind of summarize all of those in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that reveal that we are in the last days. Last week we covered the first trend of those five, which is selfishness. And today we cover the other four trends. So trend number two today, common courtesies are abandoned. And Man, I could preach for weeks on this. I recently read a statement that the denser the population, the more rude people become. Hmm. Um, there could be something to that. Living among a large population makes it easier to lose personal connections and to fail to see others as individuals worthy of dignity and respect. Um. And we maybe that's part of what we're seeing in in all the the rioting and arson and and looting and violence and murder that's occurred for weeks now across our country. Um, but it's not just in the cities. We got to admit that too. Um, I've observed somebody who lives in a small town who seems to live just seething with anger that's just below the surface looking for an excuse to just come out and, and just tear somebody up um, verbally and emotionally. And so uh, you don't have to be in a city to have lost personal connection and to not see the worth in somebody and to treat them like you'd want to be treated. So um, I praise the Lord I live in a small town um, by choice, live in a small town. I praise God for that. Um, but we're not immune from the fallen human condition just because we do live in a small town. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 2 through 4 people will be and I'm, I'm going to pick out some words here people will be abusive, ungrateful without self-control bu- brutal, treacherous and rash uh, does that sound like anywhere in our nation today? Or in those other parts of the world that I mentioned? Common courtesies like respect for others, respect for their property, and awareness that every other person also has goals and aspirations in life and needs kindness and encouragement. Uh, those qualities have not been on display. Uh, open a door for somebody. Say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. Share a sincere compliment. Be courteous. Be nice. Find something encouraging and positive to say to somebody instead of every time you see them, telling them this is what you need to do better than you're doing now. At the end of this day, the world will either be a more or less kind, compassionate, and loving place because of your presence. Let me say that again. At the end of this day, the world will either be a more or less kind, compassionate, and loving place because of your presence. So, your move. My move. What am I going to do with that? So that second trend is common courtesies are abandoned. Number three, family unity will dissolve. In 1964, President Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, launched a political program known as the Great Society. The federal government became the provider for the broken family. And the influence of the church and Christian faith was cut out. Women were paid for each child they had out of wedlock. and The biological fathers were able to walk away scot-free. Children no longer grew up in two-parent households. Instead, they were fostered by the government. And biblical values were denied and even attacked. And we live in an age where a couple generations down the road from that, we are experiencing fully its effect. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, People will be disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, without love, and without self-control. It's easy to pick on the misbehavior of children without recognizing the responsibility of the parents. Sometimes parents are children themselves and they haven't themselves uh, received loving discipline at a young age or they want their kids approval so bad that they won't discipline their children. No wonder children are ungrateful. They're growing up without love. Nobody loves them enough to teach them right and wrong. They're growing up Without love, they're growing up without self-control. Did you see the phrase? Have you heard it now? Without love. The King James Version translates that phrase without natural affection. The Greek word in the original language of the New Testament means to cherish. So this word means without, that children have grown up without cherishing, without natural affection, without regard for others. Heartless is another way it's translated. Because children aren't cherished naturally by mom and dad, they're getting loved unnaturally by all the wrong people. And boy, do we see that today. In some quarters, the American family is an absolute mess. Marriage isn't honored. Grandparents are ridiculed. Children are pampered. And schools, churches, and the police are expected to pull off miracles out of catastrophes. It's time for the church to insist that her members become responsible disciples of Jesus Christ. If you said, I do, then do it. Provide, honor, respect, behave faithfully, love, cherish. If you're a parent, be a parent. If mom and dad need help, look after your folks. Don't expect the government or church to do it f- for you what you can do for yourself. In other words, grow up. Pull up your big boy and big girl shorts. Be a responsible spouse, a responsible parent and worker. Be the change that you want to see. The fourth trend traditional values will be despised. Look at the very last phrase of 2 Timothy 3, verse 3. Not lovers of the good. A society drifts from God, there is an inverted sense of values. We ridicule those who base their worldview on faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to his word. O- obedience to right and wrong is defined in God's holy word, the Bible. The definition of the family the expression of human sexuality, the sanctity of human life, just to name a few, are areas where biblical values are now openly despised. And expressing Christian faith, according to these values, in many quarters is now labeled hate. The family is created by God. Therefore, the family is meant to be one man, one woman, in a committed covenant relationship before God and their children. The family is founded on a covenant relationship conceived by God of one man and one woman, the two become one in the sight of God. In that God-created and God-blessed relationship, a husband and a wife can love and cherish, discipline and parent their children according to the will of God in this abandonment of God-defined values, the expression of human sexuality in every sinful form is openly celebrated. And to disagree, based upon biblical faith, is deemed as the worst form of hate. You're standing at the street corner. Here comes a semi-truck hauling a trailer full of cattle. If you take a step off that curb, it's going to run you over and into your life. Ruin you forever. So, if I'm observing that, I have a choice to make. Do I say, I'll oh, bless you, it's all good. However you cross the street, it's all the same. No worries. Be blessed as you go and do your thing and step out in front of that truck. Or would the loving thing to be to grab the back of your shirt and say, Stop! It's going to kill you and and give that person the opportunity to see another day, to develop some wisdom and make a better choice next time. Which one of those is loving? A warning to turn from sin and repent, to stop then, would also be the loving thing. Not blessing them to continue in their sin, Right? I've been told by a few people over the years that Jesus never condemned other forms of sexual expression than the one man, one woman covenant relationship we call marriage. That that Jesus never spoke against that in the New Testament. Um, I don't think in the time that Jesus was alive on earth with the audience he was among, most of which were steeped in the Old Testament, that he had to address that topic specifically because they knew. Um, The Old Testament only blesses this covenant marriage relationship that I've described for you this morning. Every other form of sexual behavior is called sin in the Old Testament. This is what Jesus says about the Old Testament law. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus did not negate the Old Testament law. He does fulfill them. The truth about what God declares good and what God declares sin is the same today as it is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament law tells us we're sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven fulfills God's intent of the entire Old Testament, which is to give us every opportunity to be forgiven and saved for all eternity by faith in Jesus Christ, the One who saves And in that, Jesus fulfills the Old Testament law. Life is sacred, created by God. Listen to Psalm 139, verse 13. For you created me, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. When the child is growing in the mother's womb, God is there. He is the creator of life. God sees and intimately knows the unborn person. Every child is created in the image of God. There is no problem that God cannot change to blessing. So, choose life. The fifth and final trend that we're going to cover is intellectual pursuits become futile. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Here's just one example from six years ago. So keep in mind, we're six years beyond this now. An article appeared in the newspaper in Vancouver, British Columbia, dated July 2, 2014. The Vancouver Board of Education has approved a new policy for accommodating Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, two-spirit, queer, questioning, and all sexual and gender identities. Including the creation of three pronouns, replacing uh, masculine and feminine. Um, XE, XEM, and XYR. Z, and ZIR. Two-spirit is an aboriginal term, which means having both feminine and masculine spirits. The policy also includes making restroom and sports activities accessible to all transgender students, regardless of their biological sex. There was opposition, including angry parents, but the board that made this decision was not represented by a single Christian. Don't bury your heads in the sand if we sit by and do nothing about the small things. It won't be long before the big things will overwhelm us. And every single time, as you speak the truth, speak the truth in love. Now, all those groups that I just named, um, most of them, maybe all of them, I know people that that would be what they say they identify. And they're friends of mine like with an ongoing relationship that exists today still. Um, I don't speak anything but the truth. And if they want to know what I think, they know what I think. And, And I share my opinion, and in the sharing of my opinion, I make sure that they understand that it's based upon the Holy Bible. It's alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Okay? Get down to the issue. Get to the point. Um, so, I don't mince words. I don't deny what I believe. I don't stifle the expression of what I believe. Uh, but I love them. Somebody loved me enough when I was lost in sin to share the good news with me and to walk with me to faith in Christ. And I want to pass that on, and so I don't agree with them, and they know I don't agree with them. Um, there's people that I work with um, that um, are Satanists and and worship pagan stuff, you know and and they know what I believe. We've we've had like blunt discussions about it, blunt on both sides, not antagonistic, not argumentative, but plain spoken. They know what I believe, and I've shared Holy Scripture with them, and we're still friends. So there there are opportunities everywhere, um, and and um, I have, you know, the first group, you know, around sinful sexual expression. I have seen people that change their ways that were born again by faith in Jesus Christ and with the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word and the fellowship of the community of faith have permanently become um, in accordance with God's word and um, the uh, these um, pagan worshipers and stuff that, that I work with now I haven't known them even a year um and I haven't seen any great breakthroughs yet, but I still have an influence in their lives. And we, and we talk about all kinds of other stuff besides just that on a friendly basis. And so I ask God every day to, to make me a vessel that pours faith in Jesus Christ into them. And um, so that they have every opportunity to know Christ as Savior and serve Him as Lord and, and make a transition that I have made. In my life. Speak the truth. In love. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 15. Instead. Speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become. In every respect. The mature body of him. Who is the head. That is Christ. It is in speaking the truth. In love. That we become who God created us to be. Um, you could summarize all the Old Testament, and, and Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament in that. God spoke the truth in love. Man, there's some there's some harsh stuff in the Old Testament. It's straight up rebuke, you know, and and uh, punishment in the Old Testament. But God was speaking the truth in love, telling us that a Savior is coming, and it, it is in Him that you will be restored to righteousness with me. And Jesus came and in love did what he did, went to the cross, gave his life, shed his blood to be the sacrifice that forgives our sins. Speaking the truth in love, that's what God has always done. That's what Jesus has done for us. And so let it be said of us that speaking the truth in love, we became who God created us to be. And here in Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul wasn't talking about public education. Paul was talking about faith in Jesus Christ. And I can tell you that as a pastor, I carry a deep burden to intercede in prayer for those I've had the privilege over the years to minister to who simply refuse to base their values and behavior on the clearly revealed will of God in the Bible. So it's about a whole lot more than what happened with this Vancouver school district. And and that's been repeated in many other places in the United States. Similar thing. Um, It it is about that. But it's about a whole lot more than that. Um, It's about leading others to base their values and behavior on the clearly revealed will of God in the Bible. So... God's word tells us the second coming of Jesus Christ will be preceded by these five trends. Selfishness, common courtesies are abandoned, family unity will dissolve, traditional values will be despised, and intellectual pursuits will become futile. Paul listed these moral trends to help us anticipate the Lord's second coming. At his first coming, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, whoever has ears, let him hear. Um, Jesus wasn't checking to see who in the crowd had ears on the side of their head and who didn't. Um, that, that biblical understanding of hearing is you have heard the message when you not only, you know, somebody spoke and something rattled in your eardrum, you know, and it you perceived it as sound. You have heard when you have taken the information and responded appropriately to it. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is saying, hear me and respond in faith and obedience. The world measures success by pleasure and possessions, right? The Christian measures success by the faith that produces obedience and service, This was a really hard message to prepare and it ended up being two weeks. And that's one reason, like I said earlier, I like to preach through a book of the Bible. It forces me to cover uncomfortable passages. But I don't want to leave you without hope today. Let's remember that we are not alone. We're not alone. Um, It can feel that way sometimes, but we are not alone. Uh, The Old Testament prophet Elijah was feeling alone once. Let him be our example. He had just defeated the 450 false prophets of Baal in a one-on-450 confrontation in front of a crowd, laying it all on the line. And because Elijah served the true and living God, and because those other false prophets served evil, Elijah won. With God's power. He just defeated the four hundred and fifty false prophets of Baal. You'd think he'd be on an emotional high. Booyah, right? Celebrating. Instead, he was on an emotional low. Maybe you remember what he did. First Kings chapter 19, verse 4. He sat under a tree and prayed that he might die. It's after some of the greatest milestones in life that we have some of the deepest depression sometimes. God reminded his firebrand prophet. God met him there. In that depression and and in that isolation and in that sense of of feeling alone, God reminded this firebrand prophet that 7,000 faithful believers had not bowed the knee to Baal. It looked pretty ugly in Israel in that day. There was a whole lot of evil and a whole lot of worship of pagan um, falsehood. Elijah had stared down all those fast-talking prophets, but then he got threatened by, by a queen and he ran off and hid. Sometimes we listen to the wrong voice. And, and even if we do things as great and noteworthy and lasting as Elijah did in squaring off 450 to 1 and walking away in God's power victorious, we can still um, find days of of deep depression and isolation. We listen sometimes to the wrong voice. The recognition of the moral trends Paul wrote about in the first century should not discourage us. Jesus Christ is on the throne. He reigns supreme. He is coming back. Let us live and love and serve with that assurance. Christ is coming. Elijah was not alone. And God made sure he knew that. We are never alone. Hallelujah. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that is ours to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Thank you for um, giving us wisdom to recognize the signs of the times and to know by the power of your Holy Spirit and and the truth of your word what we should do in the time we find ourselves. And thank you, God, that we are never alone. Holy Spirit is in us and among us and Jesus is coming back. And so let us live in the victory that you have won for us in Jesus' name, Amen. We good? Okay, we're no longer recording. So um. You know, there, there's things that that I share in a smaller setting that I wouldn't want out there on the internet forever. It could be hurtful to somebody. You know, it could be misused. That that I would talk about in here. So, so now it's just us. Anybody have a a praise or a prayer request they'd like to share today?